So your punishment is... Uh, you have to hear me talk like this for a little bit. That's your punishment for being late. So there. Okay, punishment over. Hey, Alvin. <laughs> the VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 655, recorded on June 30th, 2022. fifty-fifth edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 488th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I am Scott Derrick. I am John Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. So, what have you been playing, TJ? Playing a new fighting game. Oh, what? A... shock me. Shock me you're playing a fighting game. <laughs> <laughs> we got a new fighting game. It's a DNF duel. It's Don't know that uh, one. Arc Wait, some works go- weren't you playing uh, Final Fantasy 15 the other day? Uh, not Final I, Fantasy. I mean, King of Fighters 15. I was. Okay. I have been. Uh, I. I. I'm on. I'm headed to Evo 2022 in August to compete in Guilty Gear Evo or Guilty Gear King of Fighters Tekken 7 and one more Mortal Kombat. And. Uh, but a new fighting game came out, and so my attention has been on that. It's a DNF duel, which is uh, a collaboration between Arc System Works and Nexon. Oh, gee, I wonder why you would try that game out. I mean, you hate Arc System Works. You think they suck. It's based on uh, Dungeon Fighter Online. Oh, okay. So they took that MMO and fightified all, like, they took all the classes in that game and turned them into fighters for this game. And, uh,. It is interesting. It's the least good Arc System Works game I've played in a long time. And um, the reason for that is that the sheer simplicity of it makes it extremely abusable. Like, there are no, there are no like, uh, uh, circular inputs or anything like that for, like, special moves in the game. You basically have, spe- you have normal attacks... You have regular skill attacks, and then you have, like, MP skill attacks. And you have an MP meter in the game right underneath your health bar, where if you use an MP skill attack, it drains a little bit of the MP bar. And if you don't have any MP, you can't use an MP skill attack. So, without, like, having difficult inputs or anything, everything is extremely accessible. Which is both a good thing, I think, and a really ridiculous thing based on how the characters play. Because every single character in this game kind of feels like they're supposed to be OP and have these screen-clearing attacks. But at the same time, some characters are just more OP than others. And uh, it definitely feels like even coming out of... This game just came out on the 28th. So it's just come out, and it, and people are already discovering combos for this game. Where if you land one hit, you can kill, you can just take the entire the opponent's entire life bar away in one combo, and that's not good. 
like the game is beautiful. It's it, it's kind of enjoyable to learn. But boy, howdy, there are some characters that are just too a little bit too unbalanced. I think it's a li- as a licensed game. It's probably aimed at people who play MMOs who aren't used to fighting games and they don't care. For sure, but people are that are good at fighting games are like taking everything are taking advantage of the ease of it and basically demolishing people uh, demolishing other folks with it. It's hilarious. There's a crusader character in the game that's like all holy attacks and he has this move where he like will spawn a, a wall right behind you and then he uses a massive hammer to just combo you and bounce you off the wall over and over again. It's it's some clown car balance, to say the least. I I like the game and I'm gonna keep playing it because I am competitive like that. But boy howdy, it's uh, I mean a, be- a a not so good Arc System Works game is still a pretty decent Arc System Works game. It's just the least good of the Arc System Works games that I've played. Okay, Scott. Yeah, I've been playing um, a game, I think that came out uh, more than two years ago, or, or it was, it's called uh, HOA, H-O-A, and it's a platforming game that's a very short one, and it's done in the style that makes me feel uh, reminded of Studio Ghibli. It's anime and a very, uh, you know, in, in, inundated in nature, and you have this nice soft piano music, and you're following along the story of what happened to this little sprite fairy critter and you know where they're going and they're trying to find someone um and again it's it's a very short game i, I are you playing on steam or on P- or on on steam. switch oh, okay because it was just released on switch okay um but yeah it was on steam like i feel like it was last year i think or yeah it was last year that. it's sort of like uh sort of like ori except a lot See, here's the thing. Ori does a lot with light and shadow. Yeah. While Hoa is more just bright colors. Very bright colors, a lot of nature. Um, and again, there's this theme of uh, nature conquering technology, I think, which is very Studio Ghibli. But this is not Studio Ghibli. <laughs> no, the, the, the uh, developer is Scrollcat. Right. And um, it's it's a nice, fun, relaxing game. I don't think it stresses the player out. They just kind of want to tell its story. It's very focused like that. Yeah, it's very it's very hand painted, cell shaded. Yes. Uh, and I think you know your comparisons to it being like Studio Ghibli is because the look definitely is inspired by Studio Ghibli. Mhm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just finished Hard Space uh, Shipbreaker, and I'm going to tell you something. It felt like a lot longer than it really was. You know, at the end of the game, it told me I'd been playing for two hours and 20 minutes. And I was like, what? <laughs> I've been playing this over a week. And playing, it's sort of like when you're actually playing, it's sort of like work in a good way. You know, it's sort of like when you're when you're cutting those ships up, you know, it's like you're being very deliberate. You have to make sure that things don't blow up and that sort of stuff. And it's like, what? I, I finished? Really? So, um, I was worried about it having a dark ending. It doesn't have a dark ending. So that was a sense of relief. It was a very rewarding ending. Um, and the fortunate thing is I was recording it on a stream 
And um, if you want to see the ending to uh, Hard Space Shipbreaker, it's right there. The other thing I found out, it only has 10 achievements. It's like one of those old school games about achievements in which you like have, oh, 10 achievements, 1,000 achievement points. Oh, and the last one, oh, that's 200 achievement points right there. Flop. <laughs> the other two achievements uh, I have to get are not that difficult. They, they require me to sh- break down two ships completely, and I'm perfectly capable of doing that. So... But yeah, um, it was really rewarding. I liked it more than uh, Viscera cleanup detail. And I, I can see where you can slot in DLC by having different types of ships and stuff like that. And, um, you know, this is one of, they also have like their own version of, a, of, of an eSport in which how fast you can break up the ship, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think I'll play it again at, at some point because... Is um it is a very relaxing work game. Um also, uh, House Flipper. Speaking of work games, just got on uh got on Game Pass. I already own the game, but now I don't have to put in the disc. So I think I might start playing that again. And I've also started playing Fallout 4 again because I'm a masochist, and I'm hoping this time I won't be disappointed or get you know tired. So we'll see. I don't know what's wrong with me. Hmm. And a little enjoyable game. What? Shipbreaker. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it is a work game, but um, it's rewarding in the way it plays. Now you, I play it on the. It's not the easiest level, but it's the level in which I don't have to worry about a time limit because any other, it's like 15 minutes. You have to stop working, and it's like that just breaks immersion for me. What game in de- in construction or deconstruction, you know, is it, okay, 15 minutes, your day is over. What? <laughs> no, no. I want to do it as long as I want, damn it. I'm not going to be held back by a 15-minute time limit. That's just, that's just silly. Like I said, it isn't because it makes it easier. It's because it, it keeps the immersion of me working without someone saying, yeah, 15 minutes, get out. You imagine being on a construction site, you're working for 15 minutes, and someone says, okay, that's it, day's over, see you tomorrow. It's ridiculous. So, yeah. Um, I also play a little bit of Card Shark. I would enjoy it better if I had a better memory, because that thing requires you to remember a lot of tricks. Yeah, it and does. I, and I'm not sure if my brain can fit them, all, fit them all in my brain right now. I don't know if I'm in the mood to play Card Shark. I mean, I'm enjoying it, but it's like, uh, this is going to be too much work for me right now. So, there's a lot of good stuff coming out. Oh, yeah, I also um, got Calypso's uh, um, Project Architect, which I played before on PC, and now it's on Game Pass. decided I'd start playing that again, because I need some Sim Tower action, too. Nice. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to uh, game news. And First, quick news. Blade Runner Enhanced Edition updated with Unenhanced Edition uh, on Steam after awful reception. Uh, Night Dive didn't have access to the source codes, which delayed the remaster. Well, the team reverse origin- er, engineered the original. So um, the problem with Blade Runner Enhanced Edition was that it was too enhanced. Sort of like the colors became so garish, and it just ruined the look of the game. So Night Dive released the regular version of Steam, the regular unenhanced version of Steam, with some deleted content, you know, for people who bought Enhanced Edition. So it looks like, yeah... 
remasters these days are not turning out well. Although I will say, um, the Pac-Man uh, World re- re- remaster looks really good. Yeah, it did. It uh, it looked like a good time. I uh, like the updates that they've made to everything in that game. Yeah, a lot of people are saying, "Wow, I played this as a kid." <laughs> it's one of those games. Did you ever play Pac-Man World, uh, Scott? I played Pac-Man, but not Pac-Man World. I think I saw on the Nintendo Direct there was a uh, new Pac-Man yes. game. That's the one I'm talking about. It's on multiple platforms right now. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it looked interesting, actually. Uh, I never played Pac-Man as uh, on this kind of, uh, I guess, format. I'm just used to the old, the old one back, you know, when it originally came out. So this looked like a, a neat way to do something different with Pac-Man. Yeah. Speaking of the Nintendo Direct, um, let's talk about what was announced. Now, um, uh, pers- all the Persona games that were announced um, on, at the Xbox show were announced here. It's going to be a multi-platform, of course. That's going to be out on October 21st with Persona 5 Royale. Um, what surprised me was that they're going to have um, a Plague Tale 2 on it, but it's going to be stream only. So that's the way they're going to be able to play that game and make it look good on the uh, on the Switch. Which one? The Playtale. The Playtale oh, Two. Oh yeah, it's it's going to be the cloud version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to that game because one thing I really liked the original a lot, but I kind of hated the ending. It was a. <laughs> It was a weird cliffhanger, and I think it was kind of unnecessary how much of a cliffhanger it was when we didn't know there would be a sequel. Yeah, they showed um, Xbox released. I think it was uh, they released it on Xbox, but I'm pretty sure they might have released it on other things. They showed a 15 minute uh, gameplay video for Plague Tale 2, um, which looks very interesting. It's very stealth based. And um, it, it has a river of rats, and I know how much you love a river of rats there, TJ. Yeah, rats. Why does it have to be rats? It's got the best rat tech in all of gaming. <laughs> a <tui. laughs> Um, yet another near Arama is coming. Um, it's going to include all the uh, DLC plus costumes exclusive to the Nintendo Switch version. Uh, you can't have enough near Automata, I guess. Um, I know I'm interested in. They showed uh, Dragon Quest Treasure. Yeah. Hunting. Yeah, so that's that's a spinoff, and it reminds me of the uh, Dragon Hunter Monster Games because every time they always have uh, this is what see here's the thing before Square Enix became Square Enix there was Square and there was Enix and Enix released the Dragon Quest games, and the only thing I remember from that series is the slimes those little droplets with smiles on their face that's the only th- every time I think of Dragon Quest I think of those droplets with smiles on their faces. Yeah, it's a major icon of the uh, of the franchise, and they had a controller for it and all sorts of different. Uh, I think there's a plushie for it too, and a metal slime, and it's really just this big icon. Um, you know, it always reminds me of a Hershey Kiss, but uh, you know, in, I guess Chucky slime form or something. Uh, and it's like just this low, weak little enemy, but I, I don't know why it just like endears itself into the psyche for the, the whole entire series. Yeah. Um, 
The one thing that was probably the most surprising, well, not that surprising, because it's not like Microsoft hasn't done it before, but uh, Minecraft Legends is coming to Nintendo, too. And they showed off more gameplay. And um, they showed that, yes, there's going to be a lot of building in it. It's going to have uh, – there's going to be a lot of uh, base building aspects to it in, in addition to the action RPG. It looks a lot deeper, and it's probably what people wanted um, from Minecraft Dungeons. So I think Minecraft Dungeons is what uh, – Minecraft Legends is what people wanted Minecraft Dungeons to be. Actually, it sounds like what I wanted Minecraft Story Mode to be. <laughs> Single-player game, right? Yeah, but it's more actiony than uh, Telltale game had a lot more dialogue. I think this one is going to be, this one is more um, go out and fight things. Yeah, that's. Th- I think this is what I wanted from story mode. I wanted to be able to fight, explore, and build. And I guess that Minecraft story mode is just all story and very little build, and 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 you know not enough, uh, not enough building, not enough action. It was like all quick time events. Uh, so it just didn't, I don't know, it just didn't feel Minecraft enough for me. Uh, and this looks like it might be if I can build a fort and have all these fights and still explore and just, yeah, this is, this is what I'm looking for for a story mode version of the game. And it's coming out on PlayStation 4 and 5. And probably Steam, right? Yeah, Steam and Windows. So yeah, Microsoft is going full multi-platform with this game, which is fine. I mean, you know, Here's the thing, Microsoft learned with Microsoft Dungeons that um, Minecraft is a is is a multi-platform platform unto itself. You know, it's like you don't own the platform. Minecraft is the platform. Yeah, I agree. So um, uh, the other thing is uh, they have the sequel to Mario and Rabbids. So more XCOM with Mario. Uh, did you enjoy that game, TJ? I think I, I remember you enjoying that. Which one? The Mario and Rabbids game. Yes, I like that game a lot. Yeah, so the sequel's coming out on the 20th of October. So um, the other slightly controversial thing was the Return to Monkey Island game. And um, Ron Gilbert did the artwork, so you it's basically recapping Monkey Island, but it's doing it in a very different art style. Mm-hmm. And some people are very upset about it, I guess. I I don't mind the art style. I mean, if that's what they want to do, then, you know, it's, it's fine. The uh, the complaint is it's too much like a Flash game now. <laughs> what does that even mean? It, I don't know. It, it looks more like Homestar Runner. <laughs> I mean, it looks like paper cutouts that are moving around, which is fine. I mean, I don't mind a different art style. Yeah, like, I don't understand people's complaints. Like, Ron Gilbert is working on it, damn it. I don't think I've ever seen two Ron Gilbert games that looked even close to being the same. Like, he, he, like, even between, like, Maniac Mansion and Day of the Tentacle, those are vastly different looking games. Oh, yeah. Same with, uh, same with Monkey Island 1 and Monkey Island 2 LeChuck's Revenge. Those are two very different looking games. Ron Gilbert reinvents his stuff as he goes and it's usually pretty great people should just trust him to know what he's doing and and sure and know that it'll be a fun time when it gets there i, think I don't we, know like i i i'm sick of fandoms pretending <laughs> they know better than creators as to as to what how something should work yeah. i think some people are just fixated on what they think it, the game should be and not what 
the creator wants it to be and wants you to experience and explore. And it doesn't need to be exactly like it was. I mean, it, like you said, no two games were the same. He doesn't just repeat it. He does it. He evolves his system just like every other game franchise, or at least the majority of them, the good ones, change their formula, evolve and go next step and see what can they do different. And people just need to realize that about good games is that they aren't just repeating what they did previously. They need to not harass Gilbert over yeah, it that because that, that was a that was a part of it today is that he basically said, you know what, I'm not sharing updates anymore. Y'all sucked the fun out of that. Yep. <laughs> that really sucked. Yeah. Um, there's also a new game called Blanc, um, which is. Yeah, so for those of you who haven't seen it, it's with a fawn. It's sort of like a brothers, you know, uh, a tale, a tale of two brothers, except it's with a fawn and a wolf cub. And there's no dialogue. I like those games that, like, do a story with just visuals and they're not, there's no dialogue, no text, and you're just kind of just absorbing the environment, seeing what's happening on screen. It leaves a lot of stuff to imagination and let you think about it more, I think. So I'm going to ask TJ about this. Um, what problems do people have with Sonic Frontiers? Um, it doesn't look like a Sonic game. It looks boring. It, and that's one thing, like, I, it's, I it's not out yet. I think it's, it's not. All right, go ahead. Sorry, I, I was thinking it's the same complaint that Jonah has that maybe it's too open world. I don't know that I mind that it's open world, but like it doesn't look like when I think of Sonic, I think of vibrant colors, uh, bombastic music, and co- and Sonic throwing out one-liners left and right. <laughs> I uh, for bet like and not nece- that's not necessarily a winning formula all the time. But it is the iconic Sonic formula. So when I look at Sonic Frontiers, it looks like they took Sonic and put him in like put him in a realistic background. I mean, it looks like they put him in the Xenoblade Chronicles world. No, you know what? It looks like they put him in the Final Fantasy 15 world to me. I don't know. It's like there's a lot of stuff that he needs to run on. Like that's like the whole point of playing Sonic is is you're running around, watching him go really fast on on the background and and just just racing everywhere. And I don't know. Well, you can do that. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah. It looks like Sonic, but without all the fun <laughs> environmental designs that they've had. Well, you have to. No, they have the rails with the rings on them. Yeah, but, like, the world around those rails just looks drab. And I hope that I'm wrong. Like, this is one – this is apparently one zone of several that uh, that we're going to see in the game. So I, I'm willing to be proven wrong. I'm not going to yell at – I'm not going to yell at, at uh, Sega over <laughs> Sonic. I'm going to see what happens. And it could be bad, but it could also be good. Here's the thing. Every time they but, put one of these characters in a realistic uh, background, it's like people get weirded out, like Mario in New Donk City, because all these normal people are walking around. means, okay, if those are normal people, what the heck is Mario? <laughs> and, and, the, and the trailer, the, la- the, the last trailer that they had on IGN was so strangely cut. I took it and I put Death Stranding music over it, and it fit. 
and that's not <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> well, let's hope he doesn't he doesn't romance some normal human woman in this game. Because there's just so much realism you can take with Sonic. Yeah. You know, nothing is as bad as seeing a bee romance a normal human woman. That's that's really weird. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, you know, Sonic Origins has got mediocre to bad reviews because of... Why, why is that? I, is there some technical issues with it? There were... There were bugs, like... Uh, so, like... The team at the, the the Sonic Origins collection is built on remakes, emulated remakes that were designed by the Sonic Mania team. Yeah. And instead of being directly involved and have, and like being all the way there to the very end of it, they passed that work off to Sega, and Sega recompiled it, and and uh, and somewhere along the line, somewhere in the translation. Something got messed up because there were quite a few bugs that weren't supposed to be in the Sonic Origin, like that weren't there when the Sonic Mania team was working on it. Um, and it's stuff like it's stuff like Tails not operating qu- uh, the way he's supposed to, and uh, and as AI, uh, certain music being removed from the game. Uh, just a whole bunch of stuff that has people really annoyed with the way it's running. Um, and it's kind of a bummer because, you know, like the, the, the team behind Sonic Mania really cares about this franchise. They really care about, uh, how it works and how it, and how it moves and they're, they care about the quality of the game. One of the comments is like, Sonic 3's Super Sonic theme they added. It's awful. It sounds like something they ripped out of Sonic 4. The baffling bit? They used the theme in the game's museum mode for Sonic 3's soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And there is uh, there's some like rumors about what why that is. Um, the long-running rumor is that Michael Jackson helped with uh, the soundtrack on, on Sonic 3. Oh, it's not even a – yeah, he did. <laughs> And they can't get, they couldn't get his estate to sign off on letting them use the soundtrack for the new game. Ooh, so yeah, there's a Twitter feed from last week in which one of the developers says, "This is frustrating. I won't lie, I won't say there weren't issues in what we gave to Sega, but what is in Origins is also not what we turned in. Integration introduced some wild bugs that conventional logic would have one believe were our responsibility. A lot of them aren't, and the, the uh, string goes on and on and on." Yeah, and it's, that's a really big bummer because, like, and even in that same thread, the guy is like, "If they let us, we will patch the game. We will fix it. We will we will make it right." But it's all a depending thing on whether or not Sega will let them patch the game. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the uh, name of the developer's head cannon we should have mentioned. Yeah. So, um. Anything else you want to talk about the uh, Nintendo? Do you want to talk about uh, Portal? Um, it's more Portal, which is cool to see on. Uh, you know, what's funny is that I saw that that some folks unlocked the ability to play Half Life Two on Switch after this was announced, because I don't know. I guess it's like they basically put the whole orange box in there, but they just didn't activate all the parts of it. 
And we also have the new roguelike, uh, Little Noah, Sign of Paradise. I must have missed that one. It's, it's, um, it's very, I don't know, SNES-ish. It's, it's, or even just PC from like the late, late nineties. Uh, it's, it's, um, it looks interesting. It's, it's not, uh, it's not dazzling, but I don't know. I, I haven't played many roguelikes lately, so. Um, but you do have Harvestella, which is basically, hey, look, we want to make our own version of of Stardew Valley. It's not even pretending to be a Stardew Valley clone. It's just Stardew Stardew Valley, but with Ghibli characters. It seems like a really different engine. So I, I mean, I know there's farming there, but it doesn't feel exactly like Stardew. It, 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 it doesn't feel like it, but it plays like it. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. And I know Live Alive got a uh, release date. Yeah. Also, it, the uh, demo is the demo is released now. Oh, OK. Yeah, you that's can, right. You, you get like a few of the stories or at least part of the stories. Yeah, you can you can download the demo now if you want to. That's excellent. So um, you also have Railgrade, which is um, a puzzle game for a switch, which is basically it's not a railway tycoon type game. It is just a puzzle game in which you're trying to place trains and make sure that they're able to work without crashing, basically. I remember doing that with Railroad Tycoon, and I, I actually liked making them crash anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> anyways, uh, we're going to move on to game news. Uh, go ahead, TJ. Quebec video, or yeah, Quebec video game industry will be impacted by controversial language law from Eurogamer. Uh, it's not just the video game uh, video game thing, but everybody. But we're going to concentrate on the video game industry for now. <laughs> video game companies in Quebec will be impacted by a new controversial language law. The aim of Bill 96 is to, strength, is to strengthen the French-speaking province's language laws, ensuring French is the main language spoken in everything from business to healthcare. However, it's feared that this will drive away non-French speakers from Quebec's considerable video game industry. A number of major developers are situated in Quebec, including Ubisoft, Immortals, Phoenix Rising, uh, or sorry, including Ubisoft, who worked on Immortals, Phoenix Rising, Warner Brothers Games on Gotham Knights, and Behavior Interactive, which worked on Dead by Daylight, Gameloft, which has worked on the Asphalt series, and Eidos Montreal, which has worked on Guardians of the Galaxy most recently. Over 11,000 people are employed in the Quebec video game industry, which generates over almost $1.75 billion worth of revenue for the province each year, according to Quebec's industry ministry. An anonymous source speaking for C- to CBC said that many games industry workers are now looking to leave Quebec. You already see it. With some people here, with some people who are looking at Bill 96 and saying, "Okay, time for me to pack up and leave." In English, as English is the default language for much of the gaming industry, he said having to learn French would would drive potential workers away from Quebec. I just don't see Quebec companies being able to attract talent if that's if that's what they have to contend with. He said. Christopher Chansey, the chairman of the board with, of the Guild de Guild de Wow, I'm not even gonna try. 
um, responded with that the organization supports French uh, being the default language of Quebec's gaming industry. But we have a lot of people coming from everywhere around the world to make video games here in Quebec, he said. Our fear is that this is going this is sending out a message that Quebec is not inclusive to other cultures. You think? I think everyone understands the importance of the French language. I just think it's a question of m- making sure that newcomers feel included as well. The newly formed Office for the Protection of the French Language told CBC, all sectors must contribute to the effort to ensure the sustainability of our official and common language. The French government recently banned the use of the official use of anglicized gaming terms, something the Guild... Uh, the Guild du Jeu Vidéo du Québec. <laughs> there we go. I was hoping that you would assist because I had no idea where to go with that one. Um, well, something that the guild. Whatever. I, I can't tell you how stupid this is. This is beyond stupid, and it's going to stop in six months. I, I guarantee it. Because it's not just video games. Here's the thing. Can you imagine being a doctor and a patient not able to speak French? And yeah. I'm going to tell you something right now. It's sort of like there's a lot of people who are spying to make sure people speak French. Can you imagine this happening in the United States, in which you must speak English and nothing but English? I mean, that happens here in Texas. No, only but it's, only with only it's with Spanish. No, but here's the thing: you know, you can still you can still speak in Spanish, and you can still have business. I mean, the worst that they're going to do is they're going to say, "Well, you have to have English assigning an English what's called as well," because what if the firefighters don't know what kind of uh, building they're going into? Here, um, there's a lot of bankers who are leaving. And a lot of, you know, a lot of other industry people who are leaving Quebec. And we have to understand, Quebec is the only province in, in Canada that does this because everybody else in Canada speaks English. Yeah, I know. I know Dan rolls his eyes every time Quebec is like this. We, well, we also have Canadian English, you know. We have to go. Like that, to I mean, that's why he finds it very obnoxious because he is Canadian. Here's the thing. Um. I went to Germany a few times. Every almost everybody I spoke to spoke English, almost as default. But you know what? No one's worrying about the about the German language vanishing. I just it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I uh, when I was in Germany for Gamescom, I found that the locals were very accommodating when it came to certain parts of the language, and I was able to like, I was able to be flexible around it as well but yeah it was it was interesting to see how many people in cologne like how many locals in cologne were were equipped to deal with someone like me which i'm not a hard person to deal with i don't think but um but this is silly like the idea of going to of like this city that is literally the one of the the one of the most populous cities in the entire country Suddenly, suddenly deciding that you can't be here unless you're speaking French. That's silly. That's ridiculous. You want to hear? You want to hear even more silly? Just wait until developers can't use third-party tools to to develop with, because those are going to be in English, and they're not going to stop being in English. Yeah, and I think you're right. It's not just game industry. They're going to drive a lot of industry out of that city. Like I said, when you have nationalistic, fascist, uh, fascistic stuff like this, the economy is going to suffer. It's going to last for six months, and they're going to change their tune and just say, well, everything has to have both languages. It has to have at least French on it, not just 
it, it doesn't have to be only French. It has to be both, you know? So, like I said, you know, if, hey, you know, if they want, <laughs> if they want to, if they want to drive out business, I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, the other, the other, uh, what's it called? Toronto is just saying, yeah, please, we speak English here. You can come to us. Like I said, this is not just, this is not Canada. This is just Quebec. And you can tell I can speak a little bit of French because I pronounced it Quebec, not Quebec. <laughs> Quebecois. Yeah, the Quebecois. And there, a lot of places in, in, in Quebec are very rude about their, about people speaking English too. So, mm. like I said, you know, um, bankers are talking about this. Um, someone says that they have a friend and working in the banking sector and he refused to learn French and the laws are making him want to leave. So it's like, okay, this is like England. They want their blue uh, passport. Well, you got your blue passport now. You have a whole shitload of other problems. Try and, uh, try and have a vacation in Spain, why don't you? Did you see the... Um, the recent article is about uh, now that, that COVID is more or less handled. I mean, it's not handled, but, you know, people can travel more or less, especially if they're mm -hmm. vaccinated. But when when the British are trying to go to their normal vacation spots in Spain, it's taking them hours, maybe even a day to get through, while people with their EU passport just walk right through. You know, and it's not like they're being punished. It's just, this is your shit, but at least your passport's blue. Among other things that's going on. Well, we won't get political. Uh, it's I we haven't seen what the other, you know, the major things like. Um, oh, imagine Sony says, "Well, we want to speak in J uh, Japanese. What are you going to do about it?" Yeah, it's that's a bad situation, and I think you're right. I, I hope that it doesn't last long. Because well, it won't last long because they're gonna they're gonna bankrupt themselves. <laughs> right. Once they realize how much money they're screwing themselves out of, they'll change. They'll probably change their tunes pretty quickly. Anyways, we're gonna move on to the next item. Uh, go ahead, uh, Scott. Okay. Let's see. Uh, RimWorld Console Edition is coming to PS4, Xbox One on July 29th. This is from Gaming Bolt. RimWorld is coming to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on July 29th. The console release of the game is priced at $39.99, and digital pre-orders for RimWorld console editions are now live. According to the fact page on RimWorld uh, console editions official website, alongside the base game, the studio will only be releasing the royalty DLC. There is no word on when the RimWorld DLC ideology will be released on consoles. The studio made this decision because of the how RimWorld's UI has has to be changed for consoles. Since the game has enjoyed most of its time on PC, all of the game's DLC make heavy use of new windows that can be easily navigated with a mouse and keyboard, but would pose problems on a controller. The Royalty DLC will be available as a sole purchase as well as part of a digital deluxe edition available on launch day will include royalty alongside the base game. There will also be no support for the game mods on launch, but the studio is exploring possibilities for bringing mods to the console release in the future. Yeah, there were two questions when this was announced. Um, one was, is there going to be mods? <laughs> the other is, is this going to be on Game Pass? I love it how every game that's interesting to people, 
that's released on Xbox, their first reaction is, is it going to be on Game Pass? But yeah. I guess about, I'm so used to it. <laughs> well, it's not, more like Desire. Please be on Game Pass, because I have Game Pass, so it'll be free for me. I mean, this is about as close to Dwarf Fortress as you're going to get right now. Yeah, RimWorld has always been a very interesting sort of, like, little experience. I like the, uh, I like the I like this extraterrestrial colony thing it's got going on and how and like how much you have to actually care about the 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 quirks and natures of the people that you're looking after. And the scope too. I mean, it it, it literally looks at all this all this all these systems going on in an entire world. And you have people invading, you have bandits invading like Mad Max, you know, you have this and that and you have to really it's not. It's not a tower. Uh, people's. A, is it a tower defense? No. It's. A, it's not a base building game either. It's an everything game. It's like. Like I said. It's like Dwarf Fortress. Um, it reminds me a lot, especially from the graphics of Prison Architect and the other Architect games. The pro, the most proper classification for it, I would say, is extraterrestrial colony sim. Yeah, but it's even more than. Like I said, it takes into account so many variables. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like Minecraft in, in that you know you have so many systems going on, and the game has has something like Left 4 Dead uh, in which it has a game director and it'll look at what you're doing, and adjust the game to adjust to what you're doing to give you a challenge. Mm-hmm. And there are rubber bands too. Like if it's if it's challenging you too much, it'll let up on you a bit. If it's challenging you too little, it'll it'll ramp it up a bit. So it, uh, I like it. It's it's got a very interesting adaptive nature. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we're gonna move on to the last news item. Samsung Gaming Hub officially launches, and this comes from GameSpot. The Samsung Gaming Hub launched on today, June 30th, affording owners of Samsung's newest TVs the ability to play games directly from their TV without the need of a console. Perhaps the most substantial and noteworthy element of the Samsung Gaming Hub is its Xbox app that lets people uh, lets Game Pass Ultimate members stream games from the Game Pass catalog. With the Xbox app for TVs, users will only need a Bluetooth controller, and it doesn't even need to be an Xbox controller. Yes, you can play Xbox games with your PlayStation 5 controller. And watch Sony get angry. <laughs> the Samsung Gaming Hub is available for all 2022 smart, uh, Samsung Smart TVs, in it, which mine is one of, by the way. Uh, in addition to get Xbox functionality, the Hub also includes options for other streaming services like NVIDIA GeForce Now, Google Stadia, and Utomic. Uh, Amazon's Luna service will be added soon, Samsung said. I thought Google Stadia died. Apparently, Samsung is making it live. <laughs> I haven't I haven't even heard of GeForce Now. Have you, TJ? Um, GeForce Now? Yeah, it's it's been a subscription service that they've had for a while. Really, I hadn't heard of it. I know about Luna because they did they made a deal with Ubisoft. Of all the things that are out there, like Google Stadia and Luna and Nvidia GeForce Now, GeForce Now is probably the least embarrassing. <laughs> um. Like, they actually do a good job of looking after their stuff, putting new games in, updating things. It's it's well, it's kind of flown under the radar because it was supposed to go with, like, the NVIDIA Shield, and that, yeah. that sold all that well. Well, here's the thing. You know, NVIDIA is always having these, um, you know, if you buy our card, you get this game for free. So it's like they, they're, they've been at this for a while now, even without streaming. Yeah. So 
the shield really didn't take off, but Nvidia GeForce Now is still around as as like an afterthought of it. Uh, the Hubble also. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. Uh, oh no, you, you still have more to read. So yeah, the, the Hubble also includes quote unquote expertly curated recommendations for players who need or want some help finding a new game to play. Additionally, the Hub also connects with video streaming services like Twitch and YouTube, and as well as Spotify, which is not. I mean, that I already know because when I turn on my uh, my Samsung uh, smart TV, those things are on the bottom there before they vanish. There's also a gaming hub within the app that displays game news and tutorials. In addition to this Xbox app for Samsung TV, Microsoft is working on its own streaming stick that people can plug into any TV or monitor to stream Xbox games. This is all Microsoft's evil plan to reach 3 billion gamers and extend Xbox to more places. Uh, by the way, my smart TV also knows which Xbox is plugged in. So if I plug in my uh, my, my Xbox Series X, it knows it's that. And if I plug in my Xbox 360, it knows it's an Xbox 360. So it really is a smart TV. Um, but yeah, I mean, having a little, uh, having a streaming stick you can plug into anything just to play, to stream Xbox games, that's pretty cool. And it reminds me of Sony's attempts in the past to do that with the Vita and the PlayStation, what was it, 3? You know, do their own little streaming service. But the problem was you couldn't stray too far away from your, from your uh, PlayStation 3 with the, uh, with the PSP or the Vita or whichever one was doing it. I mean, the future is now. Yeah, I have uh, I have a Samsung TV as well, and uh, I have consistently enjoyed the features that they provide that like work with video game consoles. For instance, like I mean, it's not it's not the Xbox Gaming Hub app, but like being able to I can press I can turn on my PS5 and it automatically turns on the TV. It's and it also way. probably also I don't know if you have, what which, if you have a new one, but now it actually it features a game mode, and if it knows you're playing a console, it'll go into game mode, so it adjusts the uh, the TV settings to make it more as as good for uh, console viewing as possible. The other thing is like when I turn on my TV, uh, if it's sitting on the in, the input that my PlayStation is on, it'll automatically turn on the PlayStation, which is kind of annoying sometimes. But- <laughs> I would imagine so. It doesn't do that with my Xbox. If I turn on my TV, it's not going to turn on the Xbox, too. I'm sure that there's a setting I can fiddle with, and I'm just too late. I've just been too lazy. Yeah, to well, there is a setting. Just just take that little Samsung remote and go to settings and turn that thing off. But that's a, what I was actually about to get to, is that actually when the PlayStation 5 is on, I can use the Samsung TV remote to turn the PlayStation 5 off. Like, I can actually interface with the PlayStation 5's hub with the Samsung TV remote. Uh, that's fine. So, I mean, I only need to press down the Xbox, con- uh, what's called, button, and it'll turn off. Yeah, but what, I, what I'm saying is, like, I don't well, actually turn on the PS5 controller to fiddle with it. I can just say, uh, well, that's annoying. I want to play on the Switch, so I'm going to turn off the, the PS5 via the control. And it didn't even take any syncing or anything like that. It just automatically did that. Yeah. Um, I've I've been consistently impressed with uh, Samsung's connectivity to to gaming devices. Here's the I thing: I, I had one of the first Samsung 4K TVs, and um, I got a new Samsung because this uh, 4K was also HDR. The original one I had was not HDR. But here's the thing: whenever I buy a new TV, I don't like to buy a TV until the old one is busted. You know. My old 4K TV did not bust. I gave it to my mom. It's now it's in her apartment and it works just fine. 
and it works perfectly. It's like the it, my Samsungs don't break down, even though I get the long um uh what's it called uh, uh a warranty for it. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I don't, the only thing that I haven't really liked uh, that much about it is uh, the Samsung TVs themselves don't have great audio on their own. Oh uh, well, that, who cares? I always get a soundbar anyway. That's what I need to invest in, and I found out that soundbars are really expensive. Nah, they're not that expensive. Get yourself a nice one hundred and fifty dollars soundbar. It's you can even get one for ninety nine dollars. And here's the thing about soundbars: I don't care about the total mm. quality of it. Just so long as it has the woofer and the bar, that's all you need. Yeah, I, I should look into that because, like, the ones that I was looking at, I was like, I the ones that I was looking at, maybe I was just looking in the wrong place, but they were like five hundred to a thousand. No, God, no, <laughs> no! Come on, are you kidding me? Just go to Best Buy and buy a cheap sound bar. It doesn't have to even be cheap. I'm telling you right now, they don't cost that much. $99 to $200, boom, you get a soundbar. Well, maybe so. I don't want a crappy one. I like want one that will actually well, – like, well, It's very hard to do a crappy soundbar. The only way a soundbar can be crappy is if it, it conks out. Um, one thing I would suggest is make sure you get a brand one because I did not get a brand one, and even though it recognized it, I don't want to have to go into that stupid booklet and, and go through all the codes – Get a brand one that your console is going to recognize immediately. Because, you know, when your console says, oh, this is a Samsung soundbar, you know, oh, this is a Sony soundbar, or oh, this is a this is a Bose soundbar, you know, something that the, the, it's going to recognize immediately, not generic soundbar number one, two, five, three. Because it's a pain in the butt. You want to be able to have your soundbar turn on with the TV when, when you start your, your console. <laughs> yeah well that's a good idea i'll i'll, I'll refine my searching because maybe i've just been look i am a little bit of an audiophile so okay but i'm just saying you don't have oh maybe that's why you you're looking for I've these looking, you're I've looking for a high-end sound bar uh, oh jesus yeah, christ like sounds like the dvd on the sony playstation is so bad that you need to use a sound bar well it's it's strange, right? Like when I'm playing the games on uh, the Samsung TV, about putting the volume at around thirty to forty uh, works well. When I turn on something on YouTube, it will like if I leave it at thirty to forty, it will like disturb everyone in the house with how loud it is. It, it's I, it might be a thing with the PS5, but I don't know. It's it seems like the sound mixing on the on the Samsung is pretty finicky. I don't know I, if it's the TV. I think it's the PlayStation because when I play a DVD, I have to put it at a hundred to hear it. I barely hear it. It's crazy. You know, I'm looking at all the Vizios, and that's what I own are are highly ranked and still under a thousand, and some are under two hundred and fifty. Um, the best one for 2022 is the Bose Smart, Bar, uh, Smart Soundbar 900, and I wonder how much that costs. I'm not spending a dollar on Bose. They put like two to hundred to three hundred extra dollars on their products. Just oh yeah, well uh, check this out. Uh, how about how about spending twenty five hundred dollars on an Ambio soundbar? <laughs> I mean, 
I guess, you know, I just, I mean, uh, Sonos Arc, how much does that cost? Uh, needs TV 55 inches or bigger. Oh, you know, you have the Sony uh, HD 2700, which is an affordable Dolby. Well, back to what we were saying about the news, though, like my audio problems aside, I, I applaud what Samsung is doing with their uh, technology and gaming consoles, because I don't really think that anyone else is really doing it that well. Like Sony, Sony still has good TVs. Vizio still has good TVs. LG, too. There are some pretty good there's some pretty good things going on out there with uh, with panels right now. But I still think that Samsung is doing some of the most all-around good work when it comes to connectivity, accessibility, and just overall satisfaction with the product. Yeah. Anyways, um, if you really need a soundbar, just get a Vizio or a cheap one before you get before you invest in something like the Sony HD twenty six six G seven hundred, which costs six hundred bucks. Hmm. Or just get the one that costs twenty five hundred dollars. You can say, "Hey, my soundbar costs five times as much as my PlayStation 5. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's funny. My glasses cost twice as much as my Xbox Series X. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, I got some Gucci's for my birthday last year. Nice. So, anyways, uh, TJ, take the listener feedback. Alrighty, this comes from Ralph on episode six fifty three. Hi guys, as usual, thank you for your for your effort in this episode. I highly appreciate this. Regarding the topics, I did not play that much uh, at the moment. It's too hot out. I talk to talk to us about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's muggy out here right now. Um, I played a little bit. Oh my god, and it rained here in Texas. And when it rains in here in South Texas, it immediately de- uh, just evaporates and turns into swamp ass central. But uh. I played a bit of God of War on the PS5, a little bit of Magic Arena, and a little bit of Life is Strange True Colors. Good game, wonderful game. And it was free this month on Xbox. Yep, it was on Game Pass, but he doesn't have Game Pass, so. Um, Turtles. I will buy this game as well. Games like these are so much fun with friends, and the price is totally fair, in my honest opinion. Uh, I have played the holy heck out of TMNT Shredder's Revenge in between the other stuff I've been playing on a regular basis. It is... So fun. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I watched a, uh, a six-player uh, co-op game streaming. It's it's sheer chaos when you get six players in that game, but yeah. it's, a, it's a good time. Everybody's doing their super moves, and it's like all this wind and flame and things going on. Robots <laughs> flying all over the screen and exploding. Yeah, and you have experienced players, so you keep on seeing ninjas being tossed into the screen. <laughs> yep. Starfield. I watched the short clips, which have been shown during the Microsoft Bethesda showcase event some days ago, but I'm not very interested in that game because it's too huge. I sadly don't have the time to play such big games where you have to spend so many uh, so much time. I um, feel that. Here, here's the thing, though. I don't feel... I know some people who play Skyrim for hours on end. I'm not like that. I usually... If I'm playing something like Fallout or... I just play for like an hour, hour and a half, and then I stop because, you know... Thank God Fallout 4 has save anywhere, you know, even if you're in combat, too, which is which is rare. A lot of games won't let you save during combat. Uh, Fallout 4 does let you save during combat. So the game, uh, the the game, uh, the time sink isn't a problem with me with, with games like that. 
because I don't feel the need to continue playing over and over and over, you know, hour upon hour upon hour. Although I know a lot of people do. Yeah, like that's the thing. I have so little time to just play games in my free time if it's not as something for assignment. So like I've tried to start games like Cyberpunk 2077 and uh, Fallout 4 on several occasions, and I get a decent way into them. But then I just end up with so many other things to do, and I try to come back to it eventually, and it's like, what was I doing? <laughs> yeah, um, you're going to play Tunic one day? Tunic yeah, one? are you going to play Tunic one day? <laughs> I uh, This guy bitches and mo- moans about the release date of Tunic, and it finally comes out, and he's too busy to play it. I am. It's too. There's too many games. It's now. That's it's true. gonna. It's gonna be on Switch. Just play it on your little. Your little uh, handheld. <laughs> By the way, um, what little I've played of Shredder's Revenge, I've played on the handheld on the Android, and I feel like yeah, this is the way to play it. Not on your TV. You have to play it. It's. It feels so much like a handhold game. Handheld game. You know that. It's like this. This is a. This is a handheld game. Not. Not a console game. Yeah. It's. It's just a plain ass good game. That's what it is. <laughs> um, Silk Song says Ralph. I can't wait for this to be released. And a lot yeah, of I can't wait. <laughs> I am waiting for the date. It, that's all I need at this point. Just give me a release date. I don't care about anything else. Did they give a release date? I could have sworn they gave a release date. Nope. They sure showed off that? new gameplay. Which we've seen so much gameplay in Silk Song already. I don't need to see more. Yeah, the only thing they say, the only thing they said, it's going to be before June twelfth, twenty twenty three. That's not. That's kind of a. That's kind of a big window there. I imagine it's. You know, I think it might even come out. You know, before the end of the year. Tell you the truth. I feel the same way about uh, Sea of Stars, uh, TJ. Where I've seen so much gameplay, I don't need to see any more. Just. Tell me when the game's coming, which is apparently in 2023. All people uh, needed with with Silk Song was just to see the character in action for like three seconds, and they say, "Okay, yeah. that's it. I don't need much more." <laughs> I really do think. Game. I really do think it's the pressure of living up to the original. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Hot Wheels, and this is specifically about the Hot Wheels DLC that's coming to uh, Forza Horizon, Horizon 5. Five. Yeah. Yes, I'm excited about this as well. It looks funny and interesting, even if I'm not so much into racing games. Forza Horizon 5 is the perfect place for Hot Wheels content. Well, Forza it's, Horizon 3 had Hot Wheels content. Yeah, yeah. The Forza Horizon series, like, they've done this partnership before. They know what they're doing with it. And, like, it's it's that game is just arcadey and silly enough to be a perfect fit for Hot Wheels action. And so I'm really interested to see, like, how the new content ends up playing when it launches and you can make your own tracks. So it's uh, yeah. Forza Horizon track mania regarding all the other games. I don't know them, so can't say anything about it. Thanks again. And please stay healthy from Ralph. Yeah. So uh, look for our show notes at gamingpodcast.net along with industry news and our gaming history articles. We want you to join your feedback students, comments at our blog at gamingpodcast.net. Also set us up at facebook.com slash gamingpodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes uh, and leave us some iTunes comments. Um, and uh, that's about it. We will see you next week. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought I was going to say something else, but that's about it. We will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all.